Over the last eight weeks, we have been walking through a few of the many spiritual disciplines that Christians should seek to practice as they pursue godliness, holiness, and sanctification. We started this series the week of New Year's, and the challenge that I gave to you then was that you would use this new year not just to make a typical resolution that you might give up on in a matter of a few weeks, but rather that you would come alongside me in the study of the disciplines and work together with me to put them into practice as we strive for growth in our relationship with God. Week in and week out, that has been my goal. Not just that we learn something, but that we would be devoted to the work that it takes to grow as a Christian. The disciplines take effort. They take hard work. That is why they are called disciplines. But the truth is that the devotion, the effort, the hard work that it takes is not something that comes from within, but rather is something that comes from the work of the Spirit in our lives. And it is a response to grace. That's why at the beginning, I defined spiritual disciplines as grace-motivated and Spirit-enabled acts and habits of devotion to God. We didn't cover every spiritual discipline found in God's Word. Some disciplines that we didn't cover that you might want to cover or study on your own are stewardship, uh, the discipline of learning, journaling, serving, and I'm sure there are many others that, that you or other people can think of. And my goal from the beginning was that we would study the disciplines and that, that would, might would be the most beneficial to someone who hasn't studied or devoted themselves to the spiritual disciplines. So I hope that through the disciplines that we did study, Bible intake, prayer, worship, fasting, silence, solitude, and evangelism, that you have been encouraged to integrate them into your own lives. And this certainly is a process. We won't be where we want to be as quickly as we would like to be. But if we continue to devote ourselves to these things, we will be growing in the knowledge and grace of God. And it is through these disciplines that Christians can reach spiritual maturity. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So to leave the elementary doctrine of Christ doesn't mean to abandon the doctrine of Christ. That's by far, by far might be the most important doctrine there is. But it means rather that we Christians eventually should learn things beyond the elementary teachings of Christ or beyond the basic truths about Christianity and go on to maturity. He's saying, don't be so focused on the foundational things that you forget to live out what you have learned. Don't lay again a foundation of repentance from dead works. Rather, through your learning and growth, press on to maturity in Christ. I think we do this through the disciplines, through devoting ourselves to reading and studying God's Word, through prayer, through worship, through fasting. We are learning to eat the solid food of maturity and to leave behind the milk of infants, as we also read in Hebrews. One last topic that I want to lay before you today as we wrap up this series is the topic of discipleship. Now that we have learned the disciplines, I want us to consider discipling others. The reason that I save this for last is because really it is the natural outworking of the spiritual disciplines 
being lived out in a community of believers. In other words, as we grow, we ought to teach others how to grow. So let's start with a definition of the word disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who, while growing in his or her walk with the Lord, is actively seeking to make other disciples of Jesus. This was Jesus' own definition of disciple when he said to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he says, follow me. To be a disciple of Jesus, you must first follow him. Then he says, I will make you fishers of men. When he says, I will make you, that implies that following Jesus isn't just an intellectual step. Rather, it is the process of being changed from one thing into a whole other thing by Jesus. And the result of that, the thing that Jesus changes us into, is fishers of men. That is, someone who goes and catches people for Jesus' sake. So to be a disciple means that we follow Jesus, that we grow in Him, and that we make other disciples. So then, if that is what it means to be a disciple, what is discipleship? Well, if a disciple, as we have defined, is someone who is a follower of Jesus, who is growing and who is seeking to make other disciples, then discipleship is to teach someone else how to do those things, how to follow Jesus, how to grow in Jesus, how to make disciples. That certainly does sound pretty circular, like circular reasoning, but that's the point. To be a disciple means to be making disciples. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we see this is the pattern that, that Paul expected Timothy to follow. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is discipleship. Taking what we have learned from God's word, being strengthened by it, and then teaching it to others. A definition that one of my teachers used in our class was this. He says, Discipling is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other disciples in order to encourage, equip, and challenge one another in love to grow toward maturity in Christ. Now, there are, of course, entire books written about discipleship. And we could spend another eight weeks talking only about discipleship and making disciples. But for now, I want to give you some basic principles of discipling someone else with the hopes that you'll begin to seek out these relationships in your own life. So first, discipleship is relational. Discipleship can only happen in personal relationships. So if we're going to pursue discipleship, we need to be intentional about building relationships with others in which discipleship can happen. So this means that we become invested in each other's lives. We spend time with others. We eat meals with others. We live life together. And in doing so, we build the kind of relationship in which discipleship and spiritual growth can happen naturally. The second important principle that we need to think about as we think about discipleship is that the goal of discipleship is growth towards maturity. 
So think about the spiritual disciplines and then how you can teach others how to live them out. Discipleship is relational, and that's important. That's where discipleship happens, but it is relational for the purpose of growth towards maturity. It's important to make this point because we don't want to overemphasize the relationship to the point of neglecting the purpose of discipleship, and that is spiritual growth. The relationship is the means by which this happens, but the goal is growth. This is important to make because discipleship is hanging out with other Christians, but it is more than hanging out with other Christians. It's more than just fellowship. Rather, it is uh, intentional relationship with one another in which we both grow in our relationship with God. So first, discipleship is relational. Secondly, the goal of discipleship is growth, spiritual growth towards maturity. The third principle that I think will be helpful is that to to remember that discipleship will be different for different people. Sometimes we think about discipleship and we think about discipleship programs or book studies, and these can be helpful But the formality of discipleship and the way that we do discipleship can change greatly from person to person. Sometimes it'll be helpful to use a book study to disciple someone. But other times it may be better to simply read through a book of the Bible with someone. Or maybe it's a time where you meet and you walk through different biblical topics. The time that you spend with someone you're discipling may be a set schedule meal once a week. Every Monday lunch, we're going to eat together and and talk through a passage of the Bible or a biblical topic. Or maybe it's more flexible and it's more impromptu. It may be every week or it may be twice a week. The point is that it's flexible and it's going to differ from person to person. I make this point because I think that it can be intimidating if we overstate what discipleship is. If we say, this is exactly what it looks like, then we'll be putting up barriers to it. So I believe that discipleship, so long as it is biblical and leads to spiritual growth, can be done in any number of ways. We as Christians have the Spirit of God to guide us as we go about this process. Number four, and the last point that I want to make about discipleship is that discipleship should lead to replication. There are two primary goals to discipleship, that is, to discipling someone. First is that both you and the person you are discipling will grow spiritually. I mentioned that one just a second ago. The second is that they then would be a disciple maker. So while discipleship will vary, the length of it will vary, the discipleship relationship should be working towards the maturity of the believer and then they're being sent out to make disciples themselves. So at some point... If you disciple someone well, discipleship in a more formal sense will come to an end. As we say about other jobs, you should work yourself out of the job. Or at least sometimes we say you can, you can work yourself out of the job. And that should be the case for discipleship. Now, of course, the relationship was always going to be there. You may still meet up and talk through biblical topics or scripture, but that won't necessarily be discipleship anymore. Instead, that'll be two mature Christians learning from each other, and studying the Word together. When this happens, when disciples make disciples who make disciples, the growth of the kingdom of God and the maturity of the church will expand exponentially. 
One becomes two, and two becomes four. Four becomes eight, and eight becomes 16, and so on and so forth. This is why Jesus used the term disciple when sending out the apostles. He said, go therefore and make disciples. And we sometimes overemphasize the go as the main verb of that command. But the main verb is actually make disciples. He didn't just say, go out and get people to say they're Christian. Or go out and get people to say a prayer. Or go out and get people to intellectually confirm truths about me. No, he said, go and make disciples. Go and teach others to follow me the same way that I have taught you to follow me. I hope that you will take these disciplines that we have studied these nine weeks and grow in them and grow in your walk with God. But also, I hope that you will use what you have learned and that you will use the growth that comes from these spiritual disciplines to then, in turn, disciple someone else. Thank you for participating with me in this study. I say participate because I assure you that I have been learning with you these very things that we have been studying through this. I hope that this has challenged you the way that it has me. I hope that you have been encouraged by it the way that I have been encouraged. I hope that you have seen the value of living a life devoted to the spiritual disciplines and that through our lives, Jesus will be honored and glorified above all. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.